0: For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Plan your match day with our GPS travel planner, taking you to the best pubs, restaurants, and hotels, home and away. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. When we the Flint races,
1: twas under ninety June, eighteen sixty two on a summer's afternoon. I took the bus from Barmer's, she was heavy laden, and away we went along Collingwood Street that's on the road to blading Oh, me lads, just should have seen us passing the boats along the road just as he was running. All ah, the lads and lasses there, and all the smiling faces, down along the, the Scotswood Road
0: to see the blading races. Flow past Armstrong's factory up by the Robin Dare. Hello
2: and welcome to CHN Radio. It's your season preview podcast. Uh, with me is the, the best damn coach in the land, Elijah Newsom.
3: We're getting right into it. We're going to right do this for intro in for this. How are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm just wonderful. My Atlanta Braves put up 29 runs in a game, so we're feeling good. We're just right going to ignore the performance of Atlanta United. Um, just ignore that. And Newcastle. I'm excited to talk about Newcastle because yeah. this this is going to be um I, everyone said the Premier League restart was weird but I think this is going to be equally as weird this season because it's been a weird transfer window it's got you've got a, some promoted sides that like you really don't know what to expect you got teams like Newcastle overperformed last year I mean it's just an interesting interesting little little season we're about to get into so I'm excited to talk about it, excited to preview mm-hmm. it
2: yeah. Yeah. So um, you can follow me at NUFC underscore Greg. You can follow Elijah at Elijah underscore Newsome and make sure to follow our podcast account at CHN underscore podcasts and our main account at mm-hmm. Coming Home NUFC. Um, so to, moving forward like with how everything's going to look for this podcast, we're going to take on some current news right off the bat. Because yeah. the club released a statement on a takeover. Uh, then we're going to get into the the preview for the season. So we're going to talk about pre- our predictions, off-season moves that happened, um, everything, everything related to what we think would happen this season. We'll get into your questions after that. Uh, we'll give you a little idea how the season will look out from our podcasting perspective when you'll get episodes from us. Because things have changed because we had a season flow that we were crushing. Then we had our restart that we – had to change things up for, and now we kind of have a weird restarty type of new season. So we'll explain that, and then we'll depart into our first match of the season. It's super exciting that new season is happening, and I know with these new signings that we will talk about today, uh, it, it kind of brings a little bit more optimism than we used to have uh, go, before. Yeah. Last week, if you would ask me how this – season review was going to go it wasn't going to be as as confident if jeff hendricks mark gillespie and uh niall brookwell are our only signings and yeah thanks but anyway it's it's now it's now gotten a little bit better so let's let's talk about the first thing first is the club has released a statement on the takeover rumors it's something that we desperately need I'll read the statement because it isn't that long. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you won't need to see it now because I'm about to tell you exactly what it says. Uh, so <laughs> it was Wednesday night that released a statement. Uh, it kind of re- reignited this takeover issue that was literally dormant for what, late January? Late July, I mean? Was, it's been uh, dormant
3: Mid-August.
2: Mid-August? Um, yeah. So this is what the, the statement said. Newcastle United can confirm that the Premier League has rejected a takeover bid made by PCP Capital Partners, the Rubin Brothers, and the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia based on its owners and directors' tests. This conclusion has been reached despite the club providing the Premier League with overwhelming evidence and legal opinions that PIF is independent and autonomous of the Saudi Arabian go- government. The club and its owners do not accept, do not accept that Premier League Chief Executive Richard Masters and the Premier League have acted appropriately in relation to this matter and will be considering all relevant options available to them. Mike actually understands fans' frustrations and would like to reassure them that he has been fully committed to ensuring this takeover process reached completion as he felt it was in the best interests of the club. Mike continues to be fully supportive to Steve Bruce, the players, and all the staff and wishes them well for the upcoming season. Elijah, break it on down.
1: Yeah, It didn't end yeah.
2: with Elijah, break it on down. That was my addition to it, in case uh, people <laughs> were confused by how that ended.
3: Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think the important thing of note is that uh, the first thing, I guess, is, is to recognize that um, Mike Ashley is claiming that a decision has been reached. So uh, if people remember correctly, I mean, it was a few weeks ago. Um, the reason that this collapsed was because um, reportedly... Uh, well, not reportedly PCP confirmed that they withdrew. Um, and that, um, after that, I mean, essentially all we got was they withdrew, but they were open to, um, you know, still being a part of the bid process, all that kind of stuff. this confirms allegedly that like the premier league, in fact, have made a decision and have officially rejected Mm -hmm. the bid, um, this means now that like there is a decision that can be disputed. um, And beforehand there really wasn't a decision that can be disputed because it was withdrawn. Um, So that's the first thing of note. And that kind of leads to that second point where um, Newcastle claimed that they have provided an insane amount of proof that proves that um, again, that the PIF is independent and autonomous of the Saudi Arabian government, which again proves the, not proves the point, but sheds light onto the reason as to why this takeover, um, hadn't reached uh, completion which was solely due to um the whole is the pif a part of saudi arabian government issue which again like that's something we've discussed at length on this podcast i've discussed on my twitter i've written about it blah 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 et cetera. Et cetera. whatever you believe the correct answer is or or whatever um that's the reason this is dead in the water um And people are like, well, what about piracy, blah, blah, blah. Well, they never made it to that point um, because they still had, they like an owner's and director's test was never uh, carried out because an owner, and there was no agreement as to who the owner or directors were. Um, So I think that's something that is of note that must be stated. And then finally, I think the biggest takeaway that everyone is is really uh, looking forward, not looking forward to, but really excited about is essentially that, um, uh, that, the, um, the 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 uh, that Newcastle says that they are going to act appropriately. It, they've acted appropriately in relation to this matter, and they will be considering all relevant options available to them uh, regarding this failed takeover bid, which um, some people, Greg, are saying could be uh, legal action, uh, either with the the High Court in London, I guess, or of course our good friends of Rick Cass, the Court of Arbitration for Sport. So. That's kind of the big news from this. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything to add? I mean, and it was a kind yeah. of a bombshell thing that, uh, that kind of dropped and surprised everyone. It, so. it's,
2: I think it's actually a, a big thing uh, simply because we needed a, a finite. We needed Finn. In yeah. music, when something ends, it's, it just says Finn. Um, we, need, we needed Finn. And this was Finn, but there's a part two. Mm-hmm. And, and it stopped short of saying we're, we're going to consider legal action, and that's because legal action might not be uh, it might that be worth it yeah. uh, with the cost associated and the chances. So that's what Mike is doing now. The one interesting thing about this um, is that he did threaten it. Yeah. yeah I mean, it didn't say I'm going to pursue legal action uh, specifically, but it did imply that. and that's the important thing it was threatening. The other important thing about this is Mike Ashley was on Sign Time Time today. He was yep. there. And he met with Steve Bruce. And he met with the new signings. He met with the team. He spoke to the team today. So... It's, oh. Uh,
3: and he, he's, he basically, per Lee Ryder and other sources, kind of declared the fact that, like, he's open to spending more money this window if we could offload certain players, get people off the wages. So an interesting side of Mike Ashley Newcastle could again, not be done and, you know, potentially make some more signings, all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It doesn't say threatened legal action. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up that point though, that, you know, it may not be worth the money, but if you look at Mike Ashley, um, I mean, I'm sure that he, of course he's got his 18 million or 15 million pound deposit, whatever it is. Um, and I get that, but also, like, it could be worth pursuing uh, legal action um, because if you win this, Mike Ashley gets $330 million, which is much better than getting $0 if you don't pursue legal action. So, like I said, it may not be the first step because what it does, it does now, Mm -hmm. like, you have a a club publicly called the Premier League, like, they have to respond. And Richard Masters actually did, in fact – he was asked about this and he said he he didn't agree this is with before, the yeah, this this is, yeah, it. This was before though. Yeah, this is before. Yeah, It was before the
2: statement. Yeah. Um, um, and it, so
3: it's, it, in it was weird because it's
2: literally the, the same day. So I wonder if Mike actually saw this. It was like, All right, it's time. It, it was, was and, like, and we're talking
3: like this. less than an hour apart. Like it was it was not less than it was less than like I two think it was a few hours. hours. It yeah. was like yeah, it was three or four hours. Um but but, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting because, like, the Premier League have been commenting on this takeover ever since they sat down with with NUFC Trust. Like, they've been pretty open about it. And This is just going to require an additional level of transparency that I don't think the Premier League were anticipating or are comfortable with. Um, and I don't know, man. It's It's been weird. and It's been a rough couple weeks for the Premier League uh, in terms of just money because they just lost out of that China deal. Um, they're getting slander from fans, and they were bullied into uh, letting – uh, Newcastle fans and other fans see see uh, Premier League matches legally on TV. So I don't know, man. Uh, but yeah, so let's get into this preview.
2: Yeah. Um, before we start the preview, we must let the the people know that it is a broker special podcast.
3: Okay. Um, Elijah, what are you drinking? Um, we have a little bit of Yellowstone whiskey. Uh, well, bourbon, I guess. Um, Yellowstone. Yeah, oh, yeah. Brewed in the uh, the the. The hills of Lebanon, Kentucky. Which, hey, shout out to Lebanon. My girlfriend's in Lebanon. Like not Kentucky, not, not yeah. but like no. actual Lebanon. So uh, the Lebanon, Lebanon
2: that is in world news, Lebanon.
3: Yeah, the Lebanon that is currently in the middle of an economic crisis and has no government leadership. Not yes, the that.
2: sleepy Kentucky bourbon town that is yes. Lebanon, Kentucky.
3: So yeah, that's um, where my girlfriend is. But yeah, I'm shout out to Lebanon.
2: Drinking Calumet Farm bourbon whiskey. Um, it's probably from Calumet Farm, just to guess, because mm. uh, that's literally it's lit, written
3: all over this label, and it is called that. So that's- okay, so yeah, wherever Calumet Farm is, Shout is that out. also in Kentucky? Yeah, oh. it's a it's
2: a, has a thoroughbred racehorse on the bottle. It's it's super Kentucky. Okay, yeah, it's time to preview our season for the third time, Elijah. Mm. This yes. podcast that has preview seasons.
3: Yeah. And for the, the OGs no the first time was an interesting season preview where uh Brian Nelson predicted Newcastle to finish sixth and thus began the uh the weird saga of Brian being on this podcast. Uh so is he banned? No, he's not banned because he came on. No, he's not banned, but he's 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 close. He's on probation. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 not invited by choice. <laughs>
2: um Yeah. Uh, okay, let's let's talk a little bit. A little bit about. We have a whole thing set up for y'all, so you're welcome. And uh, the first thing we want to get to is just uh, the off season, the short offseason and what's happened as far as like moves and uh, players coming in and out. And do you approve of this? Are you against this? I think just across the board. And Elijah, tell me if you do not agree with this, but I think we just anytime we sign a player at this point as premier league experience, we're pretty fine with that. That's fair.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Low I mean, expectations, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, kind of funny. Like, uh, like I've, I've got a lot of Chelsea friends and it's like every day they're linked to just like another, just hot young, like, and it's like, I mean, that's, whoa cool, whoa whoa slow down, hot young. This isn't that, this is not that podcast. Oh yeah. You're right. This isn't London yeah. is blue. Um, But uh, <laughs> a young like prospect in like France <laughs> or Germany or something like that. And it's like, I'm just happy with, with our, with our aging premier league signings that have done and they've done it, you know, they've done mm-hmm. it. I'll take our, we, no, we've got, we've got a I couple don't think young. I you understood.
2: Prospects. This isn't London is blue. I mean, from the hot young perspective, like we're more of the MILF podcast. Hot and young goes no, to Chelsea. But I,
3: I I implore you to listen to London is Blue because they are oh, definitely, definitely they're they're definitely a hot and young type of podcast, if you get, yeah. get what I'm pushing out there. <laughs> We're more of the MILF status. Yeah, that's sure. definitely where we are. Um <laughs> I hope my girlfriend never listens to this podcast. I mean I have no worries that she will because like Yeah, because why would she said she said she's tried to before, but she can't. So I mean at least she's tried. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she can't. That's such a
3: lame excuse to be like, ah, oh, I tried. Sorry. <laughs> it, was just, it was too boring. I mean, uh, um, all right. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I would agree. Uh, solid window thus far. Um, and I think what, I mean, overall, I think it's a good window um, and it's a lot of sensible signings and it's taking advantage of, of the market in, in a ton of ways uh, with the free transfers, with the COVID-19 pricing with just knowing that some teams that underperformed got relegated. So there's some good prospects out there, i.e. Camels Wilson, i.e. Ryan Frazier or Frazier, Frazier. And then I also have to I, and, and this is a different note, and I guess we'll talk about all of these, but Greg, I feel like I'm pretty happy with the loan, like the loans that we're sending out, the loanies that we're we're giving. Yeah, I guess the loanies. Yeah. Um it's gonna be it's gonna be and, and and you'll definitely get updates on that from
2: me um i think we're gonna do that every weekly pod if you're like at the end of it i think i'll just have a quick update if they played (laughs) and and if they played i'll just give you an update on how they do i typically follow that i I like you know it's something that i just enjoy to do so i like i'll follow like accrington and morcom and and the few others that we have spattered around and i'll just be Scalping Twitter, seeing what they say. And if I can watch a game, I'll watch a match. Mm-hmm. That works. And, uh, yeah. But, anyway, let's get to, to the new signs. So, we had this this window. New players are Mark Gillespie. We had – technically, we still have Jacob Murphy. Uh, we have Niall Bruckwell, Jeff Hendrick, Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser and Jamal Lewis
3: and Maddie Longstaff you keep forgetting that, <laughs> yes, that was a, a, right. technically a signing is Maddie Longstaff <laughs> that's right that's who's right. wearing number four now which I mean <laughs> yeah
2: well actually what we should do is we can right after this we can go over because they they list all those numbers yeah uh, we can at least list who is currently on the first team right now yeah uh, but yeah, let's let's talk about those incoming players. What are your just overall thoughts about how this window went? If you could rate it from 1 to 10, how would you rate Newcastle's window? 10 being that nobody did had a better window than Newcastle United in the Premier League.
3: I would say it's about a 7. I think that there were there were definitely Ooh, flashier signings. Yeah, I think there was a, a fl- there were flashier signings around the league. I think if you're giving anyone a 10, um, like I mean I don't even think it's a 10 but Chelsea because they've they've gone out and spent nearly 300 million on uh, essentially like the best players in the Bundesliga and 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 then Yeah. And uh in uh, the Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah, they made they made a lot of moves. Um and uh I mean they would need a world class defender for it to be a 10 but uh for us I think that it there weren't the flashiest signings. It wasn't the thirty-five million on what what's his name? Ollie, something from Brentford. It wasn't anything that's like, oh, this could be the next big thing. It was all guys who like everyone respects as as solid Premier League players. Like there was no one who um any other opposing fans or anyone else said like, oh, you guys signed this guy. Like, why would you do that? He's a flop or this guy sucks. Like everyone was on that level of like, Oh, this is a good, solid signing. Um, and they capped it off with getting a youngster in Jamal Lewis, who um, he's 22. He's got still a ton of potential, a ton of room to grow, but uh, had a solid season in the Premier League and was a target of, of other clubs. So um, overall, I think it, it's a window that was, Honestly, very Bruce-like. I mean, nothing flashy, just getting solid, kind of proven players. And that's what he said that he's wanted. Uh, He values Premier League experience pretty much over anything else. We saw that with his his loan signings and his comments on them. And that kind of continued. So, uh, yeah, solid seven for me. All right. I'm more of a
2: five. Uh, But five is good because usually we're in the two or three.
3: Well. Last season's so good. window was like. I mean, I don't know. I just. I guess it's like in retrospect hindsight, twenty twenty. But I was pretty juiced about um, ASM and Joel Lenton, F- particularly ASM, because I had already known how good he was. But yeah, I feel that.
2: Uh cool. So Elijah, let's get into predictions.
3: Okay. Actually, let's take a oh, break yeah, you, and then wait, get the Time out. Before we oh. take a break, you, you said you wanted to read the entire squad list of the whole first team. See, and a you few just... sits of whiskey
2: and your boy just can't think anymore. Okay. It's okay. So we'll get into our players on the first team and what numbers they're going to be wearing, starting with number one, Martin Wabrowski. Oh. Mm. Then two is Kieran Clark. Three, Paul Dummett. Four, Maddie Longstaff. Five, Fabian Chair, six, Jamal Cells, seven, Andy Carroll, eight, John Joe Shelby, nine, Joel Linton. 10, ASM, 11, Matt Ritchie, T- 12, Dwight Gale, 13 is Callum Wilson, 14 will still be Isaac Hayden, uh, 15 is Jamal Lewis, 16 is Jeff Hendrick, Emil Kraft will still have 17, 18 is Federico, 19 is Mankiw, 20 is Lejeune. 21 is Ryan Fraser. Good number. 22 will still be Edlin. 23 is Jacob Murphy. 24 is Miggy. My favorite number. Uh, 26, Carl Darlow. 27, Muto, which he was 13. Yeah. So Calvin also got that. Um, Henri Saive, 28. 29 is Mark Gillespie. 30 is Atsu. 32 is Barlasar. 36 is Longstaff, and Dan Langley is getting number 41. He was number 54 previously. So, any comments on that?
3: Um, I, I mean, the only real comment I, I can make is uh, Is it shout out quote? Well, yeah, Callum. Yeah. I mean, basically Calum was like, I wanted the number nine, but it was taken. And, you know, who am I to stay between the record signing and like having the number nine. And so I went with 13. It's my favorite number or for the last six seasons, you can tell Calum's a little bit salty about the number nine thing, but also like it's, I don't know, it doesn't matter. I mean, it it matters, but like, it also doesn't matter. Like, I mean, i I don't care. I think as long as Cal Wilson's scoring goals for us, he can wear whatever the hell he wants to wear. He can wear 99. He can pull a Fabio Silva and wear 49 or something like that. I don't care what he wears as long as he's bagging in goals. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think Matty Longstaff following in the footsteps of Newcastle legend Ki Sung-hyun. So uh, with wearing that number four in the midfield. And, you know, I, I can't, I can't hate that um, at all. So uh, shout out to him. Uh, it's an interesting choice of number when there were, clearly much better numbers available. Like, I don't know, 33, that's a solid number. Like, 35 is a good midfield number. Like, I don't know, 42 maybe. Shout out to Bill Bentelod. But, yeah, four is a weird one. Yeah.
2: You don't like four over
3: 35? 35 is a much – 35 is like for a midfielder seems more legit. Who's wearing number 25? That's a good number. No, no one. Yeah, 25. that that's a that's a great midfield number. What is this guy on? Twenty-one 25. is the goat number, That's a good number. Yeah, well, the goat number is
2: twenty-three, which is True. Jake Murphy.
3: Man. Um,
2: all right, let's uh, let's take a break. We'll get into our season predictions and all the craziness that's going to go on with that. We'll you
0: know. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Our chat system connects the Newcastle community with its public forums for supporters globally, as well as private chats with your mates. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play.
2: Okay, Elijah, it's time to do our predictions. The first thing we want to discuss is looking at the schedule, the players we have versus the rest of the Premier League. We're gonna do it right at the top. Where does Newcastle United
3: finish this season? Honestly, around the same spot they did this year. I think they finish around fifteenth. Um there's always a bit of luck, a little bit of uh tenacity that comes to the side. But I think one thing that we've kind of come to learn as the as the players have played a little bit more is that Premier League experience is is an asset that is just, like, so useful um, when you have a team that's battling uh, this kind of, like, not battling relegation, but definitely going to be a mid-table team um, because it's all about the mentality you bring to every match. And if you've been there in the league and you've done that, I think it's much easier to believe in yourself and, and, you know, grind out that draw or grind out that win. Or if you've been playing with this insane mentality that Newcastle have played with for the last four seasons, just not giving up, that kind of stuff carries over. Um, and, you know, when you add a wealth of Premier League experience, you're not dealing with, um, you know, players getting too down on themselves or being too disconfident. Discom- like, you don't have to deal with an ASM being um, incredibly unconfident because he hasn't scored – not unconfident, but incredibly not confident um, because he's not been scoring goals because he's, he knows that he's a Premier League quality player. Like, same with Miguel and He The same with – even Joe Linton, like, has a little bit of confidence now – and you're just adding other confident players to that mix that know that they can get the job done. So I say 15th seems about fair. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, what Steve Bruce does. I think that's the wild card. The team is not the wild card. It's really the manager and how he manages the squad. Um, but I do think that he's kind of found – I wouldn't say he's found his groove as a manager, but I think he understands, he has, understands a little bit better some of his strengths and weaknesses as a manager um, compared to the beginning of last season.
2: Yeah, so I'm a little less optimistic than you here. I think Newcastle finishes in 17th, barely surviving. And there's a couple things that
3: that play into that. Excuse me. You and 538 both think that we'll finish in 17th. Oh, oh. I didn't even
2: connect the dots there.
3: Yeah. But uh, me and 538 are one. You are a mathematical model. That's what I'm hearing. Yes, yes. Uh, so, I
2: think the the, reason, the two big concerns for me are you if you take away Newcastle's defensive scoring prowess from the beginning of last season, we get relegated. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's tough to assume that's going to continue into this year. So, you have to rely on the new signings and the attack to score goals, which, to my knowledge, hasn't been – even if – Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser do exactly what they did last year. It's, it would barely equal what the defense did uh, at the beginning of the season. So like they would have to increase what they did previously for us to do anything. And that's assuming the attack stays the same. Yeah. So that's one big concern. The other big concern is Martin DuBrock is out for six weeks, at least
3: four weeks. Now that's a big update. Oh, Oh, that is a big update.
2: Yeah. So I'm going to say 16th then.
3: (laughs) Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um,
2: I, yeah, that, that's a big concern. Now, you hope Carlo, Carlo Darlo's ready. I mean, he's been here. He's done that with Newcastle yeah. United. But you got to hope he can step up and, and take the role. That would be a really reassuring sign. But those two things are, are my biggest concern as to why I, I think it will be more of a relegation scrap than normal. I, hopefully – like. With the players that we have on our roster, there's no reason to believe that. There's yeah. no reason. Like, we should not be dealing with relegation at all. But I am still concerned for some reason.
3: So. I think, the, I think a val- it's a valid concern. I think the counterpoint to that is that the attack started to come to life towards the end of the season. And you have a little bit of hope that – like, I think the big thing from the beginning of the season was, one, you had these three dynamic attackers that did not play with each other. Um, in a system that didn't suit them well. So, like, now that you know, like, how to best you, specifically Alan Say Maxman and Miguel Amaron, I think you're better off as a team in terms of attack-wise. Again, it's still about finishing, which, like, even when they both started scoring goals and assisting and all that kind of stuff, like, finishing was still an issue. Um, so I understand the concern there. But I, I'm hoping that it's not as bad as it was at the beginning of last season because I do think – it's important to recognize, like, for the first entire half of the season, the Newcastle attack, like, it was non-existent, but it was non-existent because, like, I don't think there was a legitimate like plan to like how Newcastle was going to attack. And now there seems to be a little bit of a plan. So, um, yeah, but I, I think that's that's fair. I, I don't think anyone. Um, I think uh, if if anyone cares, um, we can we can read uh, Brian Nelson's prediction. Just because uh it's it's important for the podcast that we uh we still give uh Brian his his credit. Uh he disagreed with the notion that we would be uh, near the bottom of the table. Uh he says he has Newcastle finishing in eleventh. Um so you know, if that's any indication of his past predictions, he predicted us to finish sixth, um and then we finished tenth. So we're gonna finish fifteenth. So uh that's good to know.
2: Yeah uh i don't i mean i i wouldn't be surprised i would be surprised with 11 actually and Ple- would, pleasantly
3: i would, I would be, I, be pleasantly surprised because like oh i do think the middle of the premier league is still very up in the air and no one's really made like impressive mm-hmm. signings like i think everton probably the only team that was kind of like mid table that made some serious jumps um i'm going to say this right now and we're not a premier league pod but I think Sheffield's going to fall dramatically in the table this season. Um, I mean, to be fair, like they they ended pretty high, but it, it's important to to recognize like part of the reason they were so good was Dean Henderson, and they don't have Dean Henderson anymore. Like he was Martin DuBrock. Like you, like Greg's concern about taking away Martin Dubravka for six weeks and how that could affect Newcastle. Sheffield has that situation for like the whole season because he was by and large a top three goalkeeper in the Premier League last season. Like, there's not really uh, – it's, it's just not a question. I mean, at least top five. Um, yeah. but, but like you said, I could see 11th happening, but it would only be because, like, your Crystal Palaces and your Southamptons uh, do as they do and they underperform. Um, but the rosters are all – they're all solid rosters in that mid-table spot, and any one of those teams could jump to 11th or 10th or something like that. I think Palace goes down. Really? They've made some – I mean, th- yeah, I could see that, but they, they brought in my boy Mishi Batshuayi. Like, that's the homie. I love it. They're him. going down. Gosh, is your surprise team – since we're doing Premier League stuff, is your surprise team like everyone else's leads?
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I could see that. Um, I mean, I could also see – I mean, I don't know. I could also see leads, like, underperforming and still, and, like, being, like, a 15th or 16th, because there's, everyone expects them to, like, because they have Biesla, like, to just, like, be a a team that's pushing for the top 10 out of relegation. When, like, I actually have them 10th. Yeah, it just, I mean, it just doesn't, like, Sheffield last year was an anomaly, and I feel like that has skewed people's, like, vision of, like, what, like, newly promoted sides typically do in the Premier League, and, like, mid-table is usually the highest they finish. Like, it's no offense to them, it's just, like, You like as good as you are, like you are still not, you don't still don't have the talent that other Premier League teams have. Um, So, I mean, I don't know anyway. uh, So, what's the next prediction we got to do that's Newcastle related?
2: Oh, the castle. Yeah, we are the next one is top scorer Elijah. This is a big one. Everyone's gonna have ideas on this. This is gonna be a hot take one. Who is. The top scorer for Newcastle United at the end of the year.
3: Man, the easy answer is is probably Callum Wilson. John um, shelf. Oh, but also with Newcastle, nothing ever makes sense. I don't think I'll say Wilson, and part of partially because I do think that there will be a time period if Wilson doesn't look as good as he as he like I mean, as we expect him to. Um, maybe he goes two or three or four matches without scoring. Uh, you know, you know who is going to be um, taking that starting striker position, uh, whether if that's a good idea or not, um, and that will cause Wilson to miss some much-needed games in which he could have scored. Um, but I'm going to go with the player that I think um, will probably play almost every match and can only benefit from having another attacker as a distraction, another guy who is a threat on the wings. Um, I think that Miguel Amaron is going to be our top scorer this season um, because there's going to be so much attention uh, being drawn out wide to Alan St. Maxman and Ryan Frazier. And both of them are looking to get the ball in the box. And Miguel Amron is going to be one of the only other players outside of Colin Wilson. That's going to be playing all be more central and he's and all, of, a lot of his goals have been kind of those like right place, right time goals. So if he kind of, t- continues with that knack of being in the right place at the right time, continues to crash the box. The opportunities will be there for him to score. It's going to be whether or not he converts them. So I think he's going to have the most opportunities or some of the most opportunities out of all of our attackers. I'm sure whoever's playing at that striker position will, but also Miguel Amron, especially with his speed on the counter, Um, he's going to be up there running uh, in those two-on-one situations. I'm going to go with him.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with Callum, like we said in in the – In his emergency podcast in each of the last four seasons, he would have scored more goals than any player on Newcastle this past season. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take that momentum and and move it forward and say that he will. Now my question to you, Elijah, is how many goals will Miguel Amron have?
3: Oh, man, that's a good question. I think the answer is eight. I don't think Callum Wilson gets in the double digits. I think he is at seven or eight goals. That's tough it is because tough we we'll be have to remember to the bottom
2: if that happens
3: yeah I mean, and again i mean 15th i also anticipate newcastle scoring a ton with defenders again like not as much as they did but i do anticipate a lot of set piece goals that kind of stuff um but i just i don't know i just it's hard for me to imagine i mean and i want to believe cuz it's like it's hard for me to imagine and it only happened two seasons ago where newcastle had two players and doubled the goals but um I don't know. I just – I don't – I just – I don't know. I have a hard time believing that um, that Newcastle are going to have a double-digit goal scorer this season. And if it does happen, I will be happy to be wrong. Trust me. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be eight for, for McGowan. All right. Uh,
2: next is top assists. Who do you yeah. think will lead that charge?
3: I think it's going to be Ryan Frazier. Um, he's a guy who – already has a knack for one crossing the ball and two is a bit more unselfish than Alan St. Maxman no offense Alan it's not a bad thing you want a, a dynamic winger like him cutting in and creating changes for himself but uh Frazier is a guy who also um and he mentioned it in his uh press conference today the the triple press conference that happened a really quadruple because Steve Bruce spoke um, he and Wilson are already like they're already – their synergy is already insane. Like, they've already played with each other for, like, four or five four or five seasons, um, and they already know what each other wants. Like, regardless of the system, like, they've played in different play styles. They've played um, different systems. They know what each other wants, and they are going to hold each other accountable, which is also really good. And so I think um, that's gonna, that's going to put him in a good position – to get a lot of assists to Calum Wilson, but I also think he's going to be one of our guys on corner duties, one of our guys on on free kicks because he genuinely is already one of the better crossers in the side. So um, I'm going to say Ryan Fraser. Um, only
2: Trent Alexander-Arnold, Andy Robertson, and Kevin De have more Premier League assists in the last two seasons than Ryan Fraser.
3: Hey. Just saying. I calls
2: it like I sees it. <laughs> so so th- this is exactly what, why my answer is going to, going to be the same. And the reason is, well, that. <laughs> uh, I also saw the 2018-19 season. No pair has looked up for more goals in the Premier League than Wilson and Fraser, And it was seven goals and seven assists. Yeah. That was the most per pair. So it's an interesting statistic, but also we have two attacking players in Amron and uh ASM that do different things.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: it's not necessarily assists. Yeah. Uh they I, I call I call both of those players playmakers rather than like getting making that final pass, even though they both can do that
1: or yeah, scoring.
2: And- what they do is they, they take attention and they create opportunities for others. So whether that's and ASM breaking down a couple, of breaking their ankles, crossing it across the box to, to Fraser, who taps it to Callum Wilson in a wide open net, or yeah. whether it's Mickey making a long, long run and it's Fraser on his left, like Callum alongside of him, and he making one of those, maybe it's a pass to Fraser. Fraser crosses it to Wilson back post, something like that. That's why I think this is this this like tandem that we have there is really going to b- benefit. Fraser's going to do exactly what he's always – he's going to be able to do exactly what he's always done at mm-hmm. Newcastle. Nothing's really going to change from him because he's going to have that opportunity and more. He should. I, but they have to – obviously, there's going to be – I think there's going to be a little cold patch from Callum and Fraser simply because of chemistry. Mm-hmm. And I know players have to get used to ASM and asm has gotten better in like making passes at the right no oh, i think the restart he,
3: i mean the hat trick of assists game was living proof i think yeah. like it is actually insane i mean it's honestly i don't even think it's a concern anymore his over dribbling because he, he got to a yeah. point i mean i'm going to say because i saw yeah. how bad it was at nice like it was bad at nice like Like, he legitimately was like, I don't think he would have played if he was at Nisa season because they were like, dude, like, you got to stop. Um, But I would say, like, it's obviously a slight concern, but I don't know. I mean, I think he has – he's now gotten to the point where he's, like, dribbling in the box, and he draws three defenders to him in the box while dribbling, and it's like now there are two open guys in the middle of the box. Like, I just love that, and so – um, he could be a guy who gets a lot of assists this season, too. I mean, yeah, we talk about his ability to be on the ball and, and his ability to dribble, and he also likes to shoot. But also, like, he draws so much attention, like you said, that, like, there's going to be guys who are going to be open. And he's yeah. been able to find those guys. And we've seen flashes of, like, his ability as a pure playmaker, as a pure assister, specifically citing that three-assist uh, match, like, where he was doing it all.
2: Yeah, I was I was reluctant to send him the top assister because sometimes like I'm not even sure if Alan St. Maximin knows what he's going to do with the ball next, mm-hmm. and and like a lot some of his assists were like like the defender did this, so I did this. Yeah, like it was. I mean, it wasn't planned. Like he doesn't have a plan. He just has that awareness and quickness to be able to make something happen. And I think Razor will benefit the most from it. Um, yeah, because it's like. Permit elevated, (laughs) if that makes sense. Yeah. Next one is who is going to be the best signing for Newcastle United?
3: Man, this it's actually kind of tough because um, if I say one player, it kind of goes against my goal scoring prediction. But um, if I say another player, it feels a little too obvious based on my previous comments. But I'll just go with my gut. My gut's telling me, that fans are going to be a little bit more impressed with Frazier than Wilson. Um, And I don't think it's going to be, it's not going to be, I don't think Wilson's going to have a bad season at all by any means, but I do think um, Frazier is going to one, I think play more matches is going to be the big thing. And two he's going to consistently look like a threat um, going forward. And that's going to, that's going to be um, real key in the eyes of of many Newcastle fans in terms of like, who's the best signing from those from the few we've made this season. Um, I think, That could be the signing of this season. Now, in four years, when you look at this window and you say who is the best signing, I think it's going to be Jamal Lewis. I think that guy genuinely has the potential to be one of the best left backs in the league. But I don't think that's going to happen this season. Um, So I'll go Ryan Fraser. I'm going to go Callum here solely because
2: he – well, Callum Wilson as long as he doesn't get injured.
3: Yeah. If he doesn't get injured – Yeah
2: then he's, I think he's going to be the best signing. Newcastle loves goals, and if we can get a striker that hits him, then then that's game, set, match. So Callum's only 28. He's not, like, old. He's not like Andy Carroll mode where he's hurt every five days. Yeah. I think he has the potential to really take over here. Jolinton didn't take his chance, so now Callum has that opportunity, and he's proven he can do it in this league. So let's see
3: it happen yeah and hey joel Linson might be loaned out there are some turkish sides interested in him loaned and same with Florian lejeune yeah i was gonna say we should mention that because i do think that will happen um really interesting about Florian lejeune is that he actually really was a very reliable player until in terms of injuries until he came to newcastle like he's he only missed one math student injury beforehand so um hoping here's to him hoping that like like here's to us hoping that uh, if he's loaned out to La Liga side, that he's able to just get back to being a consistent uh, player and can fight his way back into the first team. I think uh, he's going to be a good guy to have alongside Jamal Assault next season. You'd imagine Federico Fernandez would take a step back because he's at that point going to be like 33 or 34. So yeah. anyway, um, signing of the season, uh, I think that's that, those are both good shouts. I wonder how Jeff Hendricks is going to be used. I'm very curious to see how he's going to be used. Because I don't think Jeff Hendrick is better than um, John Joe Shelby or Isaac Hayden, but I also could see him uh, just based on his ability being plugged in anywhere and being just like one of those really good utility players that's kind of a bit underrated. Is that your, that's your answer? No, that's not my answer. I was just saying like that's just a a, a oh. shout for uh, my answer was Ryan Fraser. I I said that. First, I was just, oh, I thought you just, went to signing into the season. No, that was sign. Then we just said, we just did signing of the season.
2: Oh, oh my gosh,
3: yeah. Wow, the Browns, Greg, the Greg. The Bruin. The Bruin uh, Liquor Podcast the Bruin. is in to Greg. Like, yours is Callum Wilson and mine's Ryan Frazier. Yeah, I was yeah. just saying, I'm interested to see how Jeff Hendrick does this season because I think he's going to be better I than was, expected. I
2: was looking already had to player of the season, which oh. we'll discuss
3: now. Oh, and I mean. Is,
2: it's not Jeff Hendrick, right?
3: No, it's not. You should okay. go first for this one. Actually, you should go
2: first. Uh, the player of the season for me is going to be Allen St. Maximum.
3: Oh, interesting.
2: I think he's going to not, not only is he going to maintain his form from this past season, but I think he's going to be able to elevate it. There's a watchdog on him. Defenders are going to target him. And I think he relishes that opportunity. Oh he's yeah. One of the few players that would prefer more defenders charge him because I think he wants to make a highlight reel of three or four falling on their backsides. I think that's something that he like, prefers happens so I think he's going to take advantage of the added pressure and the added I guess attention towards him and I think Alan St. Maximin will be a player that every time he touches the ball which we still do anyway he's a player that will get us off off of our seats and just brings that extra excitement to Newcastle supporters so congrats it's going to happen because I said it Alan St. Maximin player of the year for Newcastle
3: Oh, Greg, I mean, it's cute that you chose Alan St. Maxwell, but there is one player who has consistently been the best player at Newcastle United since he's joined, and that is Martin Dubrovka, and I don't see that changing at all this season. There is nothing that leads me to believe that Martin Dubrovka um, will not, once again, be the player of the season. He's been my player of the season for, like, two years in a row, um, would have been three years in a row um, if, had, he, had he not played only half a season yet. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you could say anyone but Martin Dubrovka. It's not the sexy pick, but it's the correct pick. I mean,
2: I, I can't blame you for that. Yeah. It's just wrong this year. And that's
3: oh, fine. Oh, I mean, you know, it could be Joel Linton.
2: <laughs> it could. It could be Dan Barlasar or Matty Longstaff. Dude.
3: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
2: Uh, next thing is bold predictions,
3: and I'd like to go Oh, year. and this is when we just fire them off. Just fire off your bold predictions.
2: Okay. My bold prediction is that by the third, by the fifth match of the season, the leading
3: goal scorer with two at Newcastle United will be Matty Longstaff. Okay. Um, I'll give you another bold prediction. Dan Barlasar will be this season's Matty Longstaff. Oh,
2: you were about to,
3: oh, you took mine. I mean, I think it's not even like a, it's not even, a, it's not even that hot of a take. Um, but I do think that, like, it's. I mean, the the writing's on the wall. He hasn't been loaned out yet. Um, I mean, that's a position that, um, behind behind Jonjo and and Hayden, like that. I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of, a lot of just openness that anyone can just come in and play. Um, and so hopefully everyone takes advantage of that. Um, another bold prediction. And we'll go snake style, I guess. Um, another bold prediction. I think Sean Longstaff becomes the permanent backup 10. Like, he will just get subbed on for Mega Amaran if, like, that's the case, and we will start in place in Mega at that 10-roll. Okay. Uh,
2: next poll position prediction is Newcastle United will be in at least the
3: final four of the League Cup. They've got a really easy draw, um, so... At least the final four of the League Cup. Um, and... Uh this is one um Mom, that, wait, Snaken. Oh yeah, sorry, duh Snaken. Yeah, go Gosh. On. um Newcastle
2: United will score five goals in the Premier League match three times this season.
3: That is that is such a bold take. I mean, I can see that happening at least twice against West Brom. <laughs>
2: That's what I'm banking on And the third against Fulham
3: Yeah. Oh man, Fulham Fulham with Areola alone signing I think that was them So uh, that's an interesting little signing Um, For me, I'm going to say My next bold prediction uh, Man, this one's This one's a weird one But I think Newcastle United Will be sold by the end of the season
2: Oh, that's the boldest prediction Because it's not going to happen
3: I don't think. I mean, okay. I'll say this. I don't think it's going to happen with the Saudi group. I'd be pretty shocked if it did. Um, but again, it is a club that is still on the market, um, and um, there's got to be an economic boom coming out of the COVID nineteen crisis. People are still looking to buy clubs and spend money. There are clubs being sold and acquired right now. Um, it's on a smaller scale, but there's like currently like three MLS clubs that are like up for sale the The Mets are are getting bought like I mean there's a lot of billionaires making money moves, so I would not be surprised if newcastle is is something that is of interest to um, certain investment groups down the road, especially with the uh, the saudi piF being a team a group that's involved and Once that is kind of eliminated as an option completely, I think the floodgates will open for offers. i don't think there's going to be any movement until like after the January transfer window but I think we could find ourselves being sold before next summer. Mike Ashley has made it clear. He does not want this club. Like he is, this is he's spending a lot of money for a reason. Like he's spending money this window to literally ensure that this team stays in the premier league. I don't, if he, the club's not sold next season, like I could see us not spending any money next like, summer window. Like I could see that happening. Um, so that that'll be uh, my bold prediction. I think I have another one. Um, the other one is that Jacob Murphy will be, like, one of the most important bench players for Newcastle this season. Yeah,
2: you know, just seeing seen on Jacob Murphy because I think he needs another year of development, but that doesn't mean that he can develop or he can't develop while playing in the Premier League. I think if he got one more season at a top club, say he was loaned to, to Stoke or loaned to, yeah, Swans or um, it was just relegated. Bournemouth. or so Yeah. Like, any one of those, I think he needs to play in a top club again. And I think that would be essential to him because he's still young. And he's getting like he's getting to a point where, like, at Wednesday, he was just an everyday starter. That's just what he was doing. Yeah. So, uh, but that doesn't mean that he can't also develop here.
3: I suppose. And when you talk about, like, guys who – I mean, we talk about this with Joel Linson all the time, but guys who are in a good position to learn from some just, like – quality players I mean Murphy's he's got his run of the the I I don't know how to say it like run of the the lot I don't know he's got a lot of guys he can choose to learn from in terms of just like playing that winger position um and Alan T. Maxman who is obviously going to be a very good Premier League player is already a solid Premier League player um and as well as Ryan Frazier and I mean even Matt Ritchie uh when you talk about just guys who are or solid wingers I think he's got a good group to to work with and and compete against and his youth is, is only going to be a strength of his. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. Do you have any other bold predictions? I think that's, that's a lot of them. Uh,
2: No, but I have a question. Okay. Over under goals. Does Jolinton score this year? I'm setting over under
3: at three. Oh man, that's a good question. Um, that's a really tough question, actually. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say. And it this over. is Premier League goals.
2: Prim- yeah, Premier League. I'm gonna
3: say over. I'm gonna say four. Um, <laughs> I I think he gets he gets opportunities. I think there's gonna be one match where he gets two goals. Okay, let me. And ask he's gonna other- score one goal like every like ten matches after that. <laughs> How many
2: goals from the striker position will Jolinton score?
3: Oh, man, that's tough.
2: Because remember, when he wasn't striker, we played him on the left. Yeah. It be interesting to see if that happens at all this year and if he produces at all in
3: that position. Here's the thing. With Joel Linton's size and, I think, an improved set-piece delivery, no offense to Matt Ritchie, I honestly think Joel Linton is going to have at least two set-piece goals. So I don't know what I don't know if that counts as like I don't think that counts as a striker position because I don't really care yeah. what he's playing with. like so I I don't know I don't know if he I think he gets two goals as an out and out striker um I think he's he had some opportunities on the counter as a one on one kind of threat and he's had some opportunities where he was just like in the right place in the right time in the box I think that can happen again uh, but I do think that he's going to be more of a set piece threat this season um, than he was uh, last season. Partially because I think Newcastle's going to have more set pieces, and I think with the four-two-three run, which is spoiler alert, someone asked that. Like, I think that's the system we're going to run for at least the first half of the season. There's going to be less big bodies in the box, and if Joel Linton's on the pitch, he's going to be one of those target guys um, to uh, to be uh, knocking the the ball with his head. So, yeah. All right,
2: uh, let's let's take a break. And we'll get into your questions, a little preview as far as like what our podcasts are going to do. And then we'll head you on out of here. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Let's do that now.
0: For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Don't settle for an old Gmail address. Show your true colours with your personalised at ToonArmy.com email address to use in-app or on the web. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play.
2: Okay, Elijah, let's get into some questions. We had a few. Do you have them up?
3: Um, I can, I can pull like them like up. Oh, are you going to pull them up? Also, I don't. I, I thought I had another bold prediction, but I just don't.
2: Mm. The first question is from Trevor Mooney. Okay, at Trevor Mooney twelve.
3: He says string cheese or sliced cheese. It, this is an easy one for me. It's sliced cheese because yeah, okay. I, I was, <laughs> I think
2: so too. I think yeah. it's a very easy question.
3: Yeah. I don't, uh, yeah. That's the easiest question Trevor ever us. a string cheese is, is not real. Um, but I can tell you Sargento sliced cheese is delicious. It is real mm. and is perfect for a bacon uh, grilled cheese sandwich. So, uh, Trevor, uh, I suggest you try that. No one eats those Kraft American singles. Like we know, that's not real cheese. But yeah, yeah, Sargento slices—that's where it's at.
2: Yeah. Uh, though, like, yeah, sliced cheese has way more potential than string cheese does. Simply, yeah. like string cheese, you can either like pull it apart or fry it and make a mozzarella stick. Like that's the only thing you can really do with it. With a cheese stick. <laughs> A string cheese stick. Um, cool, that was a great question. <laughs> German. The next question is Oh my gosh, I just lost it.
3: It's basically what f- formation do you I- think Newcastle is
2: gonna win? Yeah,
3: TJ Brown
2: at D Brown 90. Yeah, what formation do you think Bruce will use if and when the team is match fit? And which formation would you use? This is very interesting.
3: Yeah, wow. I. For, yeah. For me, the answer is the same. It's four, two, three, one. Um, I think with Federico Fernandez and Jamal themselves, you have two solid defenders. Um, I don't know if we have the, the creation from the back to play a three in the back formation anymore. Um, just because, uh, you don't have any true wingbacks anymore. I mean, Jamal Lewis actually has the, he has the ability to become a true wingback. Um, but also like that third center back role. Like I just don't like, I don't know if you can trust Fabian chair right now to, to be as that, that dynamic creative uh, center back that he was at the height of the three back formation or Flory Lejeune, who similarly was a just guy who could break, break lines with his passes. So I think right now the better option is the very balanced formation four two three one that gets the most out of the attacking talent you've brought in. I mean, um, you've got Ryan Fraser, you've got McGowan, you've got Alan St. Maxman. The logical thing to do would be to play them all at the same time. This formation gives you that ability to do so. So that's what I would run with, and I think that's what Steve Bruce will run with. Um, the attack was looking the most dangerous when he did. Newcastle in the restart, everyone talks about the doom and gloom of the end of the restart. But if you look at um, how Newcastle fared uh, in the 4-3-3-1, a lot of the mistakes were... Individual mistakes; they weren't system mistakes. It wasn't because the system was bad. Newcastle were giving up goals. It was because individuals were bad. Newcastle were giving up goals, and that's something that is not something you can control with the system. Um, so, I think the system is fine. Four two three one is is my final answer.
2: Final answer. Uh, yeah. So, I think the four two three one is a perfect balance for this team as well. Uh, you have the strength of the 442 diamond in the midfield. You have the the ability to uh, just have wide players, um, which some formations don't give you as much depth in, and we have some fast, wide players on the defensive side and obviously in the attack. So I think that's what Bruce will stick with, but mine is going to be a little different. I wish, and I hope Bruce listens to this.
3: Oh, he does. We know. Because we've is, been saying 4-2-3-1 for a while, and he did it. So
2: we, Yeah, that's true. So maybe he'll listen to this then.
3: Yeah, is, it'll, it'll think, happen two months later. So just let he, keep yeah, fair warning.
2: Newcastle should take a page out of the Red Bull Association book. Oh. So I think they should run a 4 4 2 and Wilson up top, and press the shit out of everyone. Yeah. Absolutely press and overhaul. You can overload a side and build from that side once you win possession. And you have, no matter where you are, you have fast midfielders shooting down that open open flank on the other side, even, even wing backs and right or left wing back.
3: Okay. So I've got have a question constant for you. constant attacking
2: angle when you win possession. And if you're able to have like a skillful player like Almiron, who's willing to defend anywhere on the pitch or ASN who has ball skills better than anybody on the pitch, hmm. uh, you could win a lot of possession in the final third. And then you have a Jolinton or a Callum Wilson poaching, just simply just standing in the right spot. I think that that formation could do wonders for this team. It's a risk, but I think we should, we should really try to, to move that forward. And also, when you have players in the midfield that are more dormant, like a Shelby or a Hayden, I wouldn't consider dormant, but say Shelby or uh, a Hendrick, Hendrick, who's really good in a central mid position. Uh, even you can put Longstaff, Matty Longstaff in there too. But he, I wouldn't, let me just pretend I didn't say the word dormant, uh, but more just centrally located players. We'll yeah. call it. I think 4 for 2 Diamond really pays off there because they can sit in the back of that formation and just dictate quarterback the offense essentially.
3: Here's and here's I where I, look, I, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is you say Joel Linton and Calin Wilson up top. Yeah. But like who do you start in that like crucial number six position? Because like Shelby from an offensive perspective by all means would dominate in a four four two diamond as that like holding midfielder but from a defensive perspective, like I, you, like he literally, like I, unless he somehow improves his work rate, which uh, again, fair credit, during the restart we saw Shelby defending, like it was a thing that happened. And I would love for Shelby to be a guy who tries on defense this season because that just makes everyone better. But if if he's the Shelby that we know and love, and he is like very passive on defense, do you ha- Does he drop from this team, or do you alter? your not formation, but your selection so that you have maybe have, um, Miguel Amarone alongside Callum Wilson or Alan St. Maxman alongside Callum Wilson and you play Shelby as like an advanced kind of number 10 role. I don't know. I just, that's my only question regarding this, this formation.
2: Yeah, I, I would definitely start with Shelby and if it doesn't work, it's Hayden time, baby.
3: Yeah. I, I quite like Isaac Hayden. Um, I mean, that's not really a hot take. You can throw me down as hot take of the week. Um, I think he, he's going to be really good. Um, well, he is really good. I think he's criminally underrated. Um, yeah. But so does every Newcastle fan. So this, again, you can add me to hot take of the week because it just was – I shouldn't have said anything. Um, but, yeah, that I, I like that. I would love to see Newcastle press. And they they did a little bit uh, we, more we than they did with Ross. It's moments. Yeah, it's moments. And it has worked. But I'm, I'm curious to see. I think that the moments this season for pressing are going to go up slightly because – it has worked and you have players that are willing to do it. Um Alan Say and Miguel Amaron and uh Joel Linton uh and Dwight Gale, they were all willing to press. Like they wanted to press. And so if you can get Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson bought into that mindset as well, why not try to, to press a little bit more win possession um quickly, especially with the speed you have up top in the attack? Yeah.
2: Cool. All right. So to give you a kind of a relay of how this pod will Wait. work, we can talk about West Ham. Uh, what's up? Oh, I
3: was good. You just said we can talk about West Ham. I was going to ask you. you Want to talk about West Ham?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to explain how the podcast works, and then we can talk about uh, Ham from the West. Mm. So moving forward, what we're going to do is we're still going to have our weekly show. So every Wednesday, you will get something from us. Uh, it will be news-related news related performance-related, it's, it's going to be diving a little bit deeper into Newcastle United than you're just like, they won this match, they won this match, because they're just going to win. Uh, but we'll also do some previews on that weekly show on Wednesday. So whatever matches we have upcoming for the weekend, we'll just briefly close to the end talk, talk about that match and uh, what to expect, what, what to prepare for. But it would just be shorter little bits. And then the day of the match. So if the match happens on a weekend – that following Monday, you will be getting an episode reviewing that match. If the, ha- if the match happens on a weekday, you'll get it the next day. Uh, so we'll be potting like crazy for you all, like we always do. And that will be the schedule moving forward. Obviously, we're still here for emergency podcasts. If anything big happens, you'll hear from us immediately, as soon as possible. And it will be a solely focused on that. And thank you so much for your feedback. Uh, we are taking all of that into consideration and for international breaks, we have some things in store for you and stay tuned for all of that. But right now, before we depart, Elijah, let's talk a little bit about West
3: Ham. Yeah. This is probably going to be the shortest preview of the season because we have yeah. no idea what's in store. No, uh, <laughs> like, like literally I don't even know who it. Like, and I'm going to be honest, like as a podcaster, I feel I need to be honest um, I have no idea who even West Ham have signed, like, thus far. Like, I've, I – have they made signings? Like, I, I don't know. They have um, Declan Rice. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> they have Jared Bowen from Hall. Yeah, I mean, like, but who
2: was new the last year.
3: Huh? No, he was, he was yeah. On the- Jar- Jared Bowen was there. He joined in in the in the winter that's in right, January. Right. Remember Newcastle? He wanted to go to Newcastle, but Newcastle that's were right. like, we don't want to pay for you because we don't need wingers. Um, and I mean they did, but like, interesting because oh, that brings up a good point. Because would you rather have Jared Bowen or would you rather have Ryan Fraser? That's a good question. I think the answer is Fraser, but et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I don't think West Ham made a signing uh, thus far. Um. They have been that, linked to a lot of guys, but they have they, not made a signing. Hang on. That is not true. Oh. Um, so they have signed
2: Tomic Susek from Slava Prague for 17.8 million pounds or dollars. Sorry, dollars. Um, that's their only signing. The rest are just loanies coming back.
3: They want Tarkowski, um, but it, there's a 50 million pound price tag they, for Tarkowski.
2: They lost Grady. Diangana to West Brom.
3: They oh, lost. That's a
2: big loss. Uh, they lost Albion and Jetty to Celtic, who was a it was a striker. Um, Jordan Hugill to Norwich. They lost Roberto to Real Valladolid. <laughs> um, I uh, have Pablo Zabal-
3: Zabaleta is no longer with the club, which oh, sucks man. for us. Um, oh, Damn it. That was going <laughs> to <Carlos>, be my... – Pablo <laughs> Sanchez is no longer with the club. Oh. Yeah. I mean, so previewing West Brom, here's my thing. Uh, I think play style, all that kind of stuff, like I don't really – I think I, – I don't really – I can't make a, a determination on how West Brom is going to play. I can tell you that Gerard Bowen, he actually looked pretty solid against Newcastle. Um, in the, the last game we played against him in the restart, um, David Luis is another not wait, that's not his name. No, nope. no, nope. that's Douglas Luis. Douglas Luis, yes. hey, who,
2: who are you talking? Um, are you talking about the center back?
3: No, we are not. Should we do a, a preview? Because no, the, it's the midfielder that has the uh. The 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 braids. Oh no, he definitely plays for Aston Villa. I'm skeed. He's they like Same color scheme. yeah. Okay, that's fair because I'm I'm literally pinched It's Douglas Louise, and he has a, he has blonde braids. Like I know what I'm talking about. I was just the wrong team. Um, they have Lanzini and all those guys. Mark Noble, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. There's not really players to watch out for with West Ham. Um, as you as you just heard us say, uh, Jack Wilshere is probably the only one worth really mentioning, and Mikel Antonio is a guy who was super hot during the restart. That's um, what I was going to say. That's So, a, I think that's a if you're looking at players here. to watch out for, it's probably those two. Felipe Anderson's been meh since he's joined. Price tag was high. Expectations were high. Performance, yeah. That's my, my take you on it. You know, they, they
2: have a pretty good squad because, like, Issa Dia, he's a beast.
3: No, they have a good squad. They just, like, they, it's never come together for them. L- Lanzini... It's, like it's their good.
2: midfield is is definitely better. Uh, well, no. definitely central midfield. So like like Manuel Zini, Robert Snodgrass, Declan Rice, um, Pablo Fornals. I believe in the believe Anderson well. is nasty, and I think he led the team in assists last year. Don't quote me on that, but I know he was like very involved. And obviously with Tomas Susek, he was on loan for West Ham, I believe, last year, and then they just promptly signed him. But he had a, if I remember correctly, he had a really good. Well, they signed him, so he had a really good loan spell. Um, and then he added Mikael Antonio. They have they're loaded at the midf- in in the midfield. So if you let them control the middle of this pitch, it's game.
3: I don't know. I'm just going to take the same stance is West Ham have can stare. One of those teams that have consistently underperformed for the last two seasons. Like there's no, like they Newcastle are in the games every single time they play West Ham. They're still in the match. Despite, like you said, West Ham having largely better midfield, a ton of really solid signings. It just never seems to work out for them. So, I mean, I, I think this is going to end in a draw. I think it's going to be a one, one draw. I think, uh, I don't know who's going to score. I will say is going to score one um, one draw. I, I mean, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be bad. But I do think that this is a team that underperforms. that's coming up, up against a team, Newcastle, that overperforms. I think that's just going to net in a draw. And you know what happens usually when we play West Ham, Greg? It's usually a draw. So, Well, is it? I don't know. Because we, gonna... we win like three to
2: two. It's usually high scoring. But I
3: don't think it's usually a draw,
2: is it? I, I don't know
3: um we've okay so still thus far in total okay if you want to go this route um last time we played west ham it was a 2-2 draw before that it was a 3-2 win before that was a 1-0 win and before that was a 2-0 loss and then a 3-0 loss so So, not draws (laughs) yeah you're right not draws but (laughs) close matches okay they're all decided between one goal except for the 3-0 loss to west ham that we had but everything else is like a one a, a one goal. All that to say, again, West Ham, a team that underachieves, Newcastle, a team that overachieves. It's Let's going to be a toss-up.
2: In our, in our last two wins against West Ham, these are the goal scorers for Newcastle. Ready? Okay. Christian Atsu, oh. Mo Diame, Henri Saive, Karen Clark, Federico Fernandez, and John Joe Shelby.
3: You know what's going to happen. Henri Saivet is going to score another. He's going to, <laughs> to somehow be on the bench. Like he's going to score another. That's his oh. only familiar goal. Uh, okay. Oh, uh, I am less
2: optimistic. The, I know Elijah is of the belief that friendly results don't matter. And I do believe that to some degree. But I am red flag alarmed at our friendly results. And I uh, don't think Callum and Fraser have a, had enough to build chemistry-wise. So I'm going to take 2 nothing West Ham when – and I hate to open the season like that,
3: but that's how I'm doing it. I don't think Fraser plays. Yeah, which is also – I mean, he hasn't played since March, so I, I yeah. just don't think he's, he plays. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a fair shout I don't know, dude. I just – I don't know. I don't believe in West – I just don't buy West. West Ham should be a top 10 Premier League team every year, and every year they're, like, 13th. So, like, yeah. I, I just – like, or 13th to 16th. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I guess those are – that's our, our preview of the West Ham match. It was pretty uneventful. But, of course, the previews will get better as the season goes along. As like, we we'll, see what – as we, we know what people are doing. Yeah, yeah, like, we'll know what they're doing. But uh, the uh, first couple are going to be pretty rough. Yeah. All
2: right. Well, that, that can – Includes our season preview podcast. And we are excited. We're super pumped because you are going to get regular episodes from us to talk about matches once again. And we love that. Um, so I'm Greg Troxell. I'm your host. I'm happy to be here with you again for the third season covering this team. Uh, and that's the best damn co in the land, Elijah Newsom. And this as always is the best damn song in the land. Coming out of Everyone, enjoy. Let's get three points and away
1: the last. Let's I'm coming home, If you never win the cup again, I'll pray the dark and Jim's James's Park if the galleries end in the red. I'm coming home. And I'm proud to pay you, Jody. To live in Geordie Land Some people think we're forty, And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cos the people in the big fat city Haven't had it half as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound In me mother saying, hey, 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 I'm coming home Then I miss the old blind busker Who stands at my door He plays a mean accordion You've all seen him there before the Jody heroes, there's so many famous names, like Spawn in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail, I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again. River the dog St James's Park At the Gallagher end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine i would walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mean, mother saying, hey me, how I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again I'll brave the darkest in James's Park At the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home